Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here today to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 285, the February 1992 issue on sale December 3rd of 1991. Cover price of $1.25. Is that an increase? Are you sure? I can't remember. It was <laughs> a, I, somewhere around here was when it went from a dollar to a dollar twenty-five. Uh, I could look, but that would take me some time, so I'm not going to look. This one's titled Down the Rabbit Hole. Yeah. I, you made me look up the cover price. Oh, there it is, 285. Okay. Uh, actually, I have 284 in my most recently used or, or viewed in Windows here, so let's just see what that says. 284 was a dollar. You're right. Aha. Uh-huh. Price increase. Uh, this is weird because... I would have still been purchasing comics, but I do not remember this issue at all. I do remember this issue. I remember this whole arc very vaguely for, or as I mentioned in previous mm-hmm, episodes, mm-hmm. Uh, Peter's brother connection. And yeah, that's it. You that's knew, all. you knew the reveal. I, when the reveal came, I was like, oh yeah, Adam mentioned this, but I, that I don't remember any of this. This is so. This is a this is an interesting one. This reminds me a lot of. I remember when X Factor went to that like battle planet or whatever, and they all went to different factions. Yes, and they ended up like being on different sides, and and Angel lost his memory, so he didn't know who he was supposed to be a team with, and. Uh, didn't Iceman also have memory issues, but he regained his memory or something like that? Yeah, this seems I, almost identical, where they're split up and they've found people, and I'm sure there's going to be a big confusion of who's doing what in the next issue. Although, thankfully, it seems like this is going to be three issues, whereas that was that felt like it went on forever. Oh my god. I thought this was only a two-issue arc, but three, three would make more sense. Uh, well, it's got to be... Because when we get to the issue, the end of this issue, it's not over. Well, right. Oh, I, so you're counting last issue as a part of the three yeah. issue? Okay, sure, sure, sure. I would agree because the way that this issue went, I was like, I don't know if I can stand much of this because it's it it, it is like I think you made the connection that I was unable to make while I was reading it of like I don't like it when they just go to these weird places and <laughs> weird things happen, and I don't know if that's like it's just not well written or. Because I don't want them to be in the Savage Land or, you know, Shi'ar. Like, Fairmont does it. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I think it's just writing. Yeah, it might be. So anyways, uh, we're setting you up here, listeners, for, uh, I guess, an issue that we could both agree that is not one of the best. I, You know what? It's I not didn't, terrible, but... At the, at the end of the day, whereas the last issue had... We're going to review the issue before we read it. We're doing something different. At the end of the day, the last issue, I was annoyed by all of the John Byrne dialogue because there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. There's so much of it in this issue, too, mm-hmm. but it didn't annoy me as much. I felt this issue was much stronger than the last one, um, reading-wise. The words, as people didn't seem out of character. Um, the captions were intelligent. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot. There's a lot of dialogue though in this issue. Um, there definitely is. 
So, anyways, yeah, let's. Uh, I think that's John Byrne compensating for Will Sportacio's storytelling abilities. Yeah. Yeah, so I read this issue yesterday. So just like the last issue we covered, I I will guess that as we go through it, I'll probably be trying to make some artist connections. You know, uh, is the art sort of disjointed and the words are making up for it? Because I didn't really get that feeling as I was reading it. I was just like, man, there's a lot of words here. But um, this one definitely flowed better than the last one. Um, There was less confusion about what was going on. Mm -hmm. Because... Mainly because there's not really any action in this. And I think the action is where Los Portatio is lacking. Mm, okay. Because he has to do a lot of, similar to Rob Liefeld, we see action poses, but we never see the action. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But this issue kind of skirts around the action, so there really isn't any. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's better. So the cover of this features all of the X-Men plus Sunfire, or at least all the Uncanny X-Men. Most of the Uncanny X-Men. I don't see Angel in here. It's true. He's not on the cover. But uh, they're they're swirling through like a yellow portal. It says Portal's End. Even the little Wils and whomever is inking is, is sucked up in the... Yeah, Art T-Bear is uh, sucked up in the little portal whirlwind there. A nice touch. It's, uh, you know, Iceman's front and center, and I sort of feel like he is the worst. Of the of the art? Yeah. Well, Iceman's weird because he's kind of like, looks like the when you're just sketching a body, mm-hmm. sort of the generic body form. Mm-hmm. So it's unfinished. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sunfire and, and Storm and, and even Colossus are, are finished. And then, you know, Jean gets a pass. She looks fine, but she's in the background. So there's far fewer lines on her face. But yeah, Ice, Iceman has the most detail. He's in the foreground. And it's not a bad drawing of Iceman. It's just a combination of the fact that he is the least detailed yeah. by design and the least colored also by design. Mm-hmm. Just looks unfinished. Yeah, maybe they should have swapped Storm and, and Iceman. But the Storm pose is like, like this is, this is, he started with this Storm. He started with Storm's breasts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. This is where I'm going to start. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look at these for the rest of this drawing. So I'm going to start with them like, first. They're like almost center. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> center, top two thirds. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. So I, I wouldn't get this t-shirt. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> the, the background doesn't help. I mean, it's just lines. Yep. Yep. Just concentric yellow lines. Meh. So we open it up. It's called Down the Rabbit Hole. And Gene kind of kicks us off with a little bit of narration. Well, John Byrne kicks us off with narration about Gene Grey. She, he does refer to her back as Marvel Girl, which is the first time in a while. Um, but she, he also says she is Marvel Girl no longer. But the mutant abilities which won her that title have not dimmed. So I think John Byrne is saying like, She's not Marvel Girl anymore. She's just Jean Grey. Which I never really thought about. Makes sense. It's like, so she just doesn't have a, have a name? She just doesn't have a code name anymore. Like, uh, you know, when's the last time they called her Marvel Girl? Because it is kind of a, it made sense when she's a teenager, right? A Marvel Girl and Cyclops and Iceman and Angel. But, you know, the comics have kind of portrayed Jean over the years turning into a woman. Like, I would, I would actually put the original X-Men at... 30-ish at this point, even though comics doesn't really establish that. 
So you're calling like a 30-year-old woman Marvel girl? I mean, even the invisible girl turned into invisible woman, but Marvel woman, I don't know. Well, she was Phoenix for a while. That's true. I think she'll become Phoenix again, but they just, nobody gave her a name. Even in uh, the X-Men, the animated series, nobody's like, Marvel girl, come here. It's always Jean. Where are you? That's weird. It is, but, you know, it's it's a neat little detail. I, I don't think it's an oversight. I think it's just nobody could come up with a name for her. So they're like, well, why bother? Like, she doesn't really have an identity to protect because Jean Grey is really nobody. Technically, she died. Uh, her family is dead or alive? Like, she has a, a sister. I think she has a sister. She has a sister. I can't remember if her mom or father died. <laughs> Or because they had a crystal ball. Yeah. Maybe they're just protected by the Phoenix Force. And so she's like, who cares? <laughs> who cares if people know my name? I feel like not giving her a name is an oversight that as a writer, I probably would not want to do either. Right. Because it's probably hard to name people things. But I feel like they should have just picked something and stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like she could be, I don't know, Psylocke. How's that sound? We already have a Psylocke. There, there is? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> um, she could be Loxi, Psy Girl, Psy Woman. Well, yeah, Psy Girl is like you just—it's the same as Marvel Girl. You have the same problem. Yeah, uh, or somehow you just get girl and woman out of there, and you just call her Psylocke. Or yeah, you do they... the girl thing and name her the Marvel Woman. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of lame, but. They opted not to go that route, and I I I prefer Jean Grey over Marvel Woman. I prefer Jean Grey over Marvel Girl, to be honest. But if they had come up with a name and stuck with it, and we had gotten used to it over the decades or so since this issue came out, don't you think you would be comfortable with that? Yeah, absolutely. But like, they didn't. <laughs> what if her name was Grogu? We'd be like. Yeah, we don't necessarily we didn't like it when it came out, but we're used to it now. I'm not. It's still Baby Yoda. <laughs> so I'd be calling her Baby Jean. Well, that's actually <laughs> kind of gross. Um, but she's being so I call out there. Uh, John Byrne is, I guess, establishing that Jean Grey has no code name, and uh, he's not going to be the one that gives her a code name. Yeah. Uh, but she's also being twisted and 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 warped around uh, as they go through this portal and come out the other side in a strange, different land. So Colossus is also there. Gene, can you hear me? I cannot see Storm, Iceman or Archangel. Archangel? I forget what how you pronounce, how you pronounce the name. The forces that pulled us through the rift separated us. Right. Destro. Destro. Who's the guy that he's got in his arms? Is that Sunfire? Right. Oh, primate. That's right. Because these weirdos show up and they're like, hey, they've got primate. Yeah. Well, they sometimes they call her the primate mm -hmm. and other times they just call her primate. So the primate sounds like it's like a it's like a station or a, a, a position in an army or something. Or she is a human that fell through the portal and they just call her primate or the primate because she's descended from monkeys. 
like that we were. could be as well we don't have a backstory on her i kind of like that yeah neither one of those theories is confirmed nor denied in this issue so it could be her name it could be her station or it could be sort of a like a like a racial slur because she comes from earth don't know but i have no idea we also know that her one of her buddies was adjunct oh that sounds is, like a station that's definitely a position yeah so they are like attack kill them uh gene is going to do something but uh one of the i don't know cybernetic portal people is like hey you can only attack a single target so we're gonna get the jump on you so this is another one of those problematic action scenes where in the first panel where they're being jumped we see four uh, attackers Mm -hmm. and then maybe a bunch of shadows in the background so Mm -hmm. lots of people uh, then we cut to a panel where Jean is confronting an attacker who is not one of the four, and she is hit by another attacker who is also not one of the four. Mm-hmm. And in the background, you see somebody uh, picking up – you see two people picking up the primate. Mm-hmm. This is no time for bluster, soldier. The primate is hurt. Neither of them are the four people. So what happened to the four people? Well, who's the dude that's putting his hand to his head? Is is he being attacked by Gene, or is he? Oh, well, that's he, Gene's he, hand. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So she is a uh, Sai attacking him. She, she so using she, psychic blasts. She's neutralizing him, and then this other guy just punches her in the head. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's not so fast. You have nasty weapons, but none of them can protect you from my psychic blasts. And then the green-haired guy, who does appear again says perhaps not but it would seem you can direct your power at a single target and hits her with no sound effect very disappointing okay so you're saying that the four people we see in the previous panel do not appear to be the four people that we see in the action panel yes gotcha okay yeah i can see that i can see and that yes my question is why uh, why wouldn't you just have them be the same four people it's a good question i don't know and what happened to the first four people? Did they transform? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I was going to try to come up with a theory, but there's... Well, yeah, these there are... is a theory to be had. The answer is bad. <laughs> bad. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you could... Well, there's a guy in the front foreground that says destroy them, and then there's like a claw guy. So they're surrounded. So the people that... Yeah, are on that final panel of the people that are at our vantage, which is to your point. It doesn't appear in the next panel. You'd think that at least Claw Guy would. Yeah. Well, yeah. The guy's got an awesome claw arm that looks like it could fire those little harpoons off of his uh, hand. I guess he does. It seems like he does maybe fire them at Colossus, or maybe that's just a different guy with with laser cannons. I don't know. I feel like everybody in every panel is a different guy. It might be. So this is plotted and penciled by Will Portacio. Jim Lee co-plots. John Byrne is the scripter, Art T-Bear, with Al Milgram. Uh, they are doing the finishes. Tom Marzakowski's lettering, Joe, Joe Rosa's coloring, Bob Harris editing, Tom DeFalco's the editor-in-chief. And as usual, when Al Milgram takes over, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I, I didn't really look for it, but... Uh... I didn't look for it either, but it did slap me in the face when I got there. Yeah, you'll have to point it out. But um, so yeah, the, the the action continues, and and you're right. Now we've got like a big bald guy that's got like a backpack full of gear, and he's 
kind of yelling at like a long-haired guy who does not appear like he was on the previous panel. And then there's the other guy that I mentioned that's firing bolts at Colossus. So there's just, there's, I think uh, Will Sportacio is like, there's dudes everywhere and they're all different. <laughs> that really doesn't work with continuity, but okay. Yeah. I mean, it could have been nicer to use that first two page spread. I mean, it's broken out into multiple panels, but use that to sort of have maybe the first four people show up and Gene and Colossus are like, all right, you take the left, I take the right. And then you have another panel of like, you know, eight more people. And they're like, oh, we can still do this. And you have another panel of like 50 people. And they're like, oh, well, this is going to be a little bit tougher. So I guess green haired guy is green haired guy in the next panel. Although now he has long hair, but we don't really see that. We can't really see that he has long hair in the first panel. I'm I'm willing to think that that's the same guy. Maybe, but like his armor or his clothing is uh, like gold gloves, which are in shadow in the next panel. And then he's got like red armbands, which have like purple trim in the next panel. So I don't know, Adam. It We either got some coloring issues or Will Spertacio is just not paying attention to the character designs. It's like nobody cares. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Nobody cares. We got that's what it feels like. We got a deadline. It's like, well, if Will Spardacio doesn't care, I don't care either. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, John Byrne's not long for the scripting on this book. No. So he's probably like, what? Hey, it isn't like it was in the old days. I might have had some issues with Chris, but this is ridiculous. I feel like he's already off of the X-Men book by this time. He does. He does stay in Uncanny for a little while. Does he? Okay. Yeah, he's scripter two eighty eight. Okay. So Yeah, so maybe he's trying. Maybe he's Yeah, he's he he lasts through two eighty eight. That's okay. his left issue. So man, yeah, maybe he's like, all right, I'll just I'll work with this Wills guy. I mean he's got some he's got some pencil talents, uh, but uh, you know, if I could just wrangle him in to get some cohesion going and, and then maybe he's just like, Nah, it's not gonna happen. This guy's never gonna learn. <laughs> I'll stick through the bishop stuff. That stuff seems kinda cool. Yeah. So they uh, they want Gene for the big one wants oh the big one wants to help his, Colossus wants to help his female but they want to take Gene alive but they don't care about Colossus they're like yeah just kill him um, but they can't they shoot him he goes down but then he changes from his armored form into Peter and they're like oh my god it's him it's really him he's returned the prophecy and they all bow down that's not body armor he's wearing it's his own skin. But his face! Look at his face! Mother and son, it's him! It's really him! Is this ink turned? Is this inked by Al Milgram? No. Okay. Because it's not a great drawing. It's not. But that, I guess we'll blame Wills on that one. It's he. I feel like he doesn't really have a handle on Colossus. Um, he's he's got very thick legs in this panel. Very scrawny arms. Yeah. Well, I guess muscular arms but compared to his legs they're scrawny yeah i don't really care about the portrait so much it's that that face uh the big face close-up i mean the portrait his head looks too small but uh, the that big could face just... close-up is a uh decent drawing of a person that isn't peter <laughs> sure i'll go with that Else... hey look fitzroy's here is Fitzroy he? says mother and son. That's not Fitzroy. <laughs> not Fitzroy. But he's got Fitzroy's hair. It's just a green-haired guy. 
<laughs> I mean, Adam, there's only so many colors they can use with the limited palette in comics. And but isn't that why they're charging a dollar twenty-five? Is because they added three more colors? I don't remember. Uh, was that was that what it was? Like I remember at some point, like reading in Wizard or one of the um, like. Remember how we used to get like American comics catalogs and international comics catalogs? Mm-hmm. I feel like those had tiny articles, not nothing like Wizard, but. Wasn't there a, a story that like some Canadian pressing had changed and now they had to buy more expensive paper or something like that? That sounds familiar. I don't, I probably don't have that exactly correct, but I think there that definitely is a paper change that happens. But I thought the the so besides the fact that the dollar seventy five comics use like premium paper, yeah, they also use more colors. I don't. I think we're heading toward premium paper, so we've got we've got higher quality paper. But I also feel like a lot of that was driven by as much color as they were trying to push onto the old paper, which probably wasn't working very well. So they had to change to this paper. So they do now, more. We were to pull out our dollar issue of the last issue and our dollar twenty five issue if if there would be a difference in paper yet. I don't know. I don't know either. And I don't <laughs> own these issues anymore, so I do, but I'm not going to go get them. <laughs> they are in giant boxes in the basement, and. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's a little, little, little off topic here, but I, I just feel like uh, they're, they're weighing me down, Adam. Like it's just a bunch of paper in the basement that I've been lugging around for years and years and years. They're not worth anything. So I sold all mine. All your comics? No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I sold a lot of comics when I moved from uh, where did I move from? Connecticut to back to Buffalo. Okay. I sold a whole bunch of stuff, including these Uncanny X-Men. And it was just a matter of, like, making it easier to move. Okay. Um, my philosophy is everything is acquirable in this day and age. Yes. So you, if you feel like you want to get rid of something, just get rid of it. You uh, can get it if you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you release it yeah. and, you, and you miss it, then you'll buy it again. It's true, but that might come at a premium. It probably will, but you're also going to sell it at a premium. Mm, not necessarily. Like, like when I sold all my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and now they're worth a lot of money, I'm not getting those back for sure. You could, though. They are acquirable, but at a, at a but, huge premium. Yes. But they, it would be at a massive premium, but I'm, I'm just as happy picking up a trade paperback that covers the same stories. Oh, fair. As long as I have those stories, I'm, you know fine with that yeah and if you really really wanted to read them you wanted to support everybody you could go to comiXology just to subscribe or whatever you do on that to to read them or buy the trade paperbacks of which i'm sure there's no shortage of that's not a yeah it's a good philosophy adam um and that's the thing is like if i wanted to read them anyway i wouldn't have read my old teenage mutant ninja turtles issues because i'd be like oh no these are worth too much money yeah that's a good point I do regret selling them, but you know it happens. What are you gonna do? It's just a it's a hard thing to say. Like, oh man, I've just I've 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 hauled these around with me for so long, and I'm gonna take them to a comic book store, and they're gonna give me probably pennies on the dollar with the way the market is today, with some just exceptions. What's that? Just sell them on eBay. Is that is that the is that the play? You can probably get the most money for that, and they'll cover the shipping generally. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt i guess it's probably a lot easier to go to the comic shop 
Right, but they're gonna they're not gonna offer you anything. No, they're gonna get you. They're gonna give you a massive. Cup. I'll not, take these hundred issues for a hundred bucks. Yeah, not a bad idea. But uh, anyways, that's why I'm not gonna go get them because it just seems like a huge hassle. And I think I think you're right. I think the next time I touch my comics, it'll be to either maybe kind of curate my. 150 comic books I want to hold on to and everything else goes or some other arbitrary number. Yeah. <clears throat> it's always good to uh, whittle down, weed out, mm-hmm. save your favorites. Yeah. I mean, there's, I have plenty of junk in there that I don't even know if I'd be able to get rid of on eBay, but I, I suppose I could just take them to half price books, <laughs> take my dollar for, you know, the 25 I give to them and. Right. And just feel good that maybe some other kid's going to be like, ooh, West Coast Avengers number 28. This is awesome. Yeah. And it's only 75 cents. I mean, if they're if you're having trouble giving like uh, selling them, then just give them away. Yeah. There's always goodwill and that sort of stuff. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So back to this comic book. Storm is laying in a desert, kind of like the Sahara, but it's not the Sahara. And uh, some dude with a with a walking stick finds her and picks her up and takes her back to his cottage or or cabin or whatever feeds her but also talks about like the food shortage and she's like this is this is delicious i did want to point out that the um the narration here that you kind of skipped over is actually pretty decent is it this is the one where i was like oh wow okay john burns doing some good writing here it's like okay well he gets an opportunity to because things aren't moving all over the place you get a lot of just portraits of storm we're kind of zooming in so it does kind of have like a like a a nice transitory feeling as we move from far in to close up we get a sense of time has passed she's dazed and then a man shows up so this whole page uh flows just from an artistic perspective and and gives the scripter a lot of time to just like what is what is going on like what is storm feeling something's going on with her powers as well i think she either doesn't have access to them or the weather here is weird right exactly so yeah it it is good stuff but i mean more or less it's just storms laying there in a in a crater of sand and and a dude picks her up i'd like usually i'm like so many words but this was like okay john Byrne had fun with this yeah it's nice maybe he's uh he's gearing up for his portfolio. He's like I'm going to make the most of this so I can take it all over to DC and be like you're John Byrne, you don't need a portfolio. You're probably right. Like guys, I'm John Byrne. Can I can hey, I have a job? I'm John Byrne here. <laughs> oh, yeah, Superman, you can have him. Or whatever you want. Where did he did he does he go to Superman or did he come I from just... Superman when he came back tomorrow? I can't remember. He's definitely I have an issue of Superman. So number one, it's with John Byrne, but I don't know which title it is. I just picked that because it's one of the most popular DC books. I could have just as easily picked Batman. I I don't don't know if John Byrne has ever done Batman. That I did not pick up if there is such a thing. I'm sure he has. Everybody has. My DC knowledge is not good. I only know that John Byrne did Superman because I have the issue one. I picked it up at a grocery store. And uh, I don't know. At some point I learned that it was John Byrne. I think you told me that Chris Claremont did some stuff at DC. Yeah, he goes to DC and does Sovereign 7, which is, I guess, his answer to DC or uh, DC X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's I, I have I bought a couple issues of that. It was all right. It was okay. like, a, you know, 
Chris Claremont doing his thing okay. at DC with original characters. So this mystery man feeds Storm from his limited supplies. Uh, she's like, this is delicious. It's so good. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Perhaps then you wouldn't be averse to uh, drinking my wine. I don't know why they're talking, what this all is going on here. There's a lot of space to use. There's a big white block on the top right. So he just keeps going on and on and on about uh, the wine. And apparently the food grows for less than a day. So you got to be quick to harvest it. And he's managed to come up with a, a good wine recipe and... But then he's like, where did you come from? Like, it's like you came from the sky. I don't see a caravan. Like, how could you just get in the middle of the desert like that? And dude flips out. You breached the portal? Are you mad? Is it your wish to bring destruction on us all? Yeah, he goes from, like, nice host to to crazed maniac. I mean, clearly she doesn't know what, you know, obviously she doesn't know any of this stuff. So chill out. Yeah. Slow down. Slow down. Better question is like, oh, interesting. How did, how did you, that's not good, but how did, what, tell me more about this portal and how you came to come through it. Uh, Maybe you're not the good person I assumed you were, or maybe something else is happening, but yeah, he flips out. But I think it's also like cliffhanger because then we move on to the next piece where. Well, yeah, it's cliffhanger, but at the same time, it's not a cliffhanger because when we next see uh storm and this fellow they've resolved whatever conversation they were had so it's like meaningless cliffhanger well right i think it's like oh amp up up the excitement but then there's no payoff to your point like now they're just like old friends like living in the desert uh when we next see them in a couple pages so yeah it's uh this is arch archangel is iceman here or is it just archangel it's just Archangel. He is um, – there's a battle going on between two sides on this planet or I guess portal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of a neat scene. Archangel just shows up and kills uh, pretty much everybody in his vicinity. But then we learn that he's still asleep. Right. And his did it all. He was on autopilot. His little fl- – fl- what are they? Flechettes? Flanchettes? Shuts, yeah, whatever. Those little knives fly out of his wings. He kills everybody. Uh, these others like, oh, you're amazing. You're, you're, it's you. You're, you're our savior. And he's like, what? Uh, what happened? I just fell through a hole. What are you guys talking about? What's going on here? The last thing I remember, some kind of hole in space, sucking me through with the others. Where are? That was magnificent. Uh, suddenly. Everybody is blonde. Oh no, I guess just the two people. I was looking at all of their little. The the colorist chose a yellow that everybody is wearing a yellow piece of. Right. It's kind of confusing. The guy's got yellow hair, yellow collar, then yellow goggles, yellow gauntlets, yellow neck thing, and then uh, Archangel. He's got yellow hair, so th- there's a lot of this yellow everywhere. It's in a, like a little circle around Angel. Yeah. Um, but they have, if you look up at the panel above it, they do have like a kind of a goldish that they could have used for some of the metal. But I guess the – who knows if what I'm looking at in Marvel Unlimited is what the actual color is. So I'm looking at – again, looking at the 2005 scans, which in theory – because they have all the ads and everything too. So this should be what we saw back then. Okay. And it's as you described. Like that first panel, there's like a – Everything's highlighted with like an orange to give it like a glow or a, a gold feel. But on that other panel, it's just yellow. <laughs> Straight yellow, no highlighting, just yellow. 
I give up. Uh, Angel's wings are bloody now, which I'm not sure how his wings are bloody. Did the flechettes come back to his wings when they're done? That's what. So I was wondering about this, and it's the first time I've actually ever thought about this because when he was part of Apocalypse and he was throwing those things everywhere, you're kind of like, whatever, Apocalypse gave him something, or maybe he goes back to the ship and recharges his flechettes. But I was like, okay, as an X-Man who can throw these things, this is like, does he have to spend the evening like re-slotting them into his wings? I, I don't think we've ever seen a, a panel of them doing like a, like a boomerang thing. Yeah. So I don't know if he just has an unlimited supply of these flechettes or what. Well, realistically, if he should be covered in blood, if his wings are covered in blood, and I guess he does have some blood on his face, but no, that's dripping from his wings. Do you think the blood is from his wings where the flechettes came out or the the wings and the flechettes just caused all this blood and it all splattered back onto his wings? That's what I'm saying is yeah, if okay. it splattered back onto his wings, then he would be covered. Yeah, because he's, sh- I think, well, we don't really see, but I would assume he's shooting them forward. So then the blood would be coming back toward him. So yeah, it should be all over his body and not, but it's just on his back wings. And oh, there's also a couple of panels where it looks like the wings are not detaching themselves and killing people. I don't know. It's the, it's there, so there's a panel of, of uh, like maybe 20 to 30 flechettes mm-hmm. killing two guys. Mm-hmm. Then there's a panel of just mm. a set of wings killing like one of his wings killing a guy. And then there's another panel of just kind of the back of one of his wings killing two guys. Yeah. So and then we cut to his wings are bloody. It's like and they then, snap back into snap into place. And then one of the wings raises over his head and it drips blood onto his face, which I guess wakes him up. Yeah. And so then his face is completely clear of blood. Yeah. Oops. Well, you know, off panel, he wiped his head with a rag. Um, the other <laughs> thing... The wing- the other thing that's weird, and I think artists take liberty with this, is that he, you know, in that panel, after sort of the bloody wings snaps back, it's like he's got three different wing sections, like the main wing sections, a little subsection, and then the section that goes above his head. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been any consistency around what these wings can do and how many of them there are. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say... The flechettes come back okay. and form the wings, and no artist has really taken the opportunity to draw what Angel looks like without the flechettes in place. Ooh. That's a neat idea. So the the wings actually turn into flechettes and get launched, and it all comes back, puts itself back together. It's a neat idea. I, just... And and it's like it's like a T one thousand sort of thing where I they could you. just kind of melt into the wings. Yeah, sure. And that would explain why the wings are bloody, but he's not. I don't think that's what happens, Adam. But I like the idea. Because I, I think if that was the case, some artist, some writer would have explored that further. I don't think anybody knows, which is part of the problem. <laughs> I think it's just uh, it's just comics. <laughs> yeah. The, don't think about it. Flechettes come out of his wings. Isn't that awesome? And his wings attack everybody. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And nobody's really put in any, any thought about the uh, physicality of that. Because I think everything you just said would make actually a really nice, uh, uh, like a uh, you know one of those forty-eight page standalones, like the, the trials of Archangel, and they could really dive into that whole aspect of him, and he could question his morality and himself and what he's become and all that sort of stuff. Uh, as far as I know, that story doesn't exist. Somebody has to have explored it, but probably not. Who knows? I have no idea. If you know, 
dear listener, <laughs> a good angel story that actually explains the mechanics of the wings that Apocalypse built for him, please let us know. We will add it to the queue. I mean, it'll probably show up on the queue because we're trying to cover just about everything, it seems like. Everything. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, we cut over to Iceman and Sunfire. Oh, And they yeah. fall somebody's house and somebody says, this ain't no portal. This is my place. Oh, I guess it's not his house. It's his bar. Mm-hmm. Everyone's somebody mad. Says, you heard Tooker. You made a big hole in his roof as he grabs Iceman. He waters his drinks enough without... So he's a bartender mm-hmm. without uh, you letting the weather in. Maybe I'll just use the high your hide to patch the hole. And, and he has he has a blade. A snack. <clears throat> yeah, he's got a single sort of serrated Wolverine claw that comes out of a mechanical wrist holder. Iceman is back to his jokey self. So maybe because uh, last issue you were complaining that he was uh, or maybe it wasn't last issue. It was probably a couple issues ago. You're complaining that he was uh, too stern. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he's only stern when it comes to Jean Grey. Oh, because this is serious, Jeannie. Maybe. Maybe like, I don't know, that could have been explored better, but he's back to he's back to normal. So what you're saying is he doesn't respect women. Uh, I think he just thinks of Jean Grey as a sister. Oh, sure. And so he, when it comes to his sister, he really cares. Or maybe he doesn't respect women. Either. <laughs> I don't think it's that. But uh, <laughs> uh, but apparently nobody cares about Iceman and Sunfire because after that single page, we skip back to Storm. And as we talked about earlier. It's another cliffhanger. They're being threatened. Right. I guess you're right. Uh, Storm and this mystery man are, it's almost like Storm's been in the desert with him for like a week or Clothes are tattered. She's kind of like, I don't want to say native, but like she's shed some of the clothing. It's it's torn. Um, she looks like she's getting ready for a trek across the desert. She looks great. Yeah, oh, uh, it's a great it's a if, great drawing. If this was Jim Lee, this would be a full page spread. The first panel. Here. Oh yeah, absolutely. They've got like a an iguana to to ride. A pair of iguanas. What's that Star Wars beast that didn't make it to the final cut of the first movie? Oh, the the Ronto. The, 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 uh, no, not the Ronto, the other one, the Dubak. Oh, the Dubak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. But this, this guy has got, uh, it's like a Dubak crossed with a Ronto. Yeah. Well, Rontos have like long necks, I think, and Dubaks are just. The the Ronto is like a brontosaurus sort of thing. Yeah. Kind of like that. Uh, but this guy, this mystery man's got them all, uh, uh, set up with, uh, like, like a harnesses and horse maneuvering. She's got a cape now. Bridles? Is that what you call them? This is a great looking cape. Yeah, no. She turned her costume into a cape and then kind of the undergarment is, I mean, she's, it's a desert. She's probably hot. Although the guy, he's dressed head to toe. Yeah. Well, he's got to cover himself for unknown reasons. He doesn't have to cover his arms and legs. Like he could be wearing some shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, I don't know what his deal is. What oh, a jerk. Maybe he's all burnt and stuff. I don't know. His face does look like he's got some, uh, mm-hmm. some went on there like some scarring so uh, he says so they've they've resolved whatever the conflict was they're buddies now and they're going to go somewhere they're going traveling and she says if there's danger the x-men will help you and he's like boy you sure got an ego on you and he's like yeah and she says well who are you and he's like well some say a legend some say a curse it will be for you to decide what you believe 
Yeah, they don't even address the uh, the previous confrontation, which. Well, again, I mean, she <clears throat> says she says whatever's going on, my companions will help right. save the world, and uh, he he guy says uh, the portal must be sealed because the the portal is sucking our world into it, like our world, yours and mine. Um, and and two things are converging at the same time, and that can't happen without the world getting destroyed. Uh, so we have to seal the portal. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that, though. There's the stakes right there. Yeah, no cliffhanger, just some stakes. Yeah, stakes. Ronto stakes. We cut back <laughs> to uh, Colossus and Gene. They're also riding a bunch of dubacks into somewhere. Uh, the tropics, according to this uh, caption. Where did we? Oh, they're they're prisoner, right? Okay, so this well, is... they're they're sort of prisoners, but like I don't know. Oh, wait, no, they're Col- not because Colossus is the chosen this is the one. C three PO of the the gang, right? He's the golden uh, god, right? Right. That, uh, they've been looking for all this life, which I don't know. It doesn't really make sense unless I don't know. We'll talk about it when we get there. They are confusing Colossus with somebody else. Who apparently is very similar looking or identical, but based on the scars, I would say maybe not so, but maybe they don't know about the scars. Anyway, they get into the place where they're going, which we never really see, but apparently it's pretty impressive because Colossus says, Lennon's ghost. He, when was the last time Colossus said, by the white wolf? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. I don't know. Look at all these people. They think they all think me the fulfillment of their prophecy. And Gene's like, shh, quiet about that. We're, we're going to ride with this. So, you know, enjoy yourself where it's happening. And this is like, I kind of already am. It's it's definitely like Luke and 3PO in Return of the Jedi. 3PO, yeah. use your benign powers to whatever. So Gene's telepathically communicating with uh, Colossus being like, all right, come on. I'm going to coach you through this. I know it's weird to pretend that you're an idol or whatever, but, you know, run with this because we don't have any other options at the moment. Cut back to Iceman and Sunfire where they apparently burned down the tavern. Um, They beat everybody up, it would appear. Well, that was fun. (laughs) This is kind of like that Godzilla movie where it's like, action's about to happen. Cut away. Oh, here's the aftermath of the action. Honestly, I don't mind because when when... Portesio does action. It's never quite clear what's going on, but uh, it just it, it just seems like it kind of breaks your expectations in comics. You usually expect like one or two pages of like action to occur. Um, we don't need each one of these groups to have an action. Did you really want to see Iceman and Sunfire beat up a bunch of normies, though? Maybe like maybe a, a single page. No, beating up normies. No, you're probably right. No, you want to think. The issue with this is that they burnt down the tavern. Well, like, yeah, this isn't a good thing. Like there's ice. <laughs> it looks like there's ice in the background, but maybe that's just mountains. But everything else is on fire. <laughs> so they ruined this entire little village's like livelihood, basically. And they're like all smiles about it. It's like, yeah, that was fun. Boy, we we ruined these people's livelihood. It was great. High five. These guys are going to be rebuilding for months. <laughs> uh. There's a nice moment where Sunfire says it was good to fight by your side as when we first met or instead of against you as when we first met, cutting back to Sunfire's first appearance where he was mm-hmm. a bad guy. 
one placement says, hey, you were even on the team for a while for, for like a hot second. Yep. But then the town crier has something to proclaim. So they go find him because he's doing the not saying hear ye, hear ye. But he's ringing a bell and, and Iceman, I guess, recognizes it immediately as a town crier. So they run up to him and, and this guy. He does really say hear ye, hear ye. Does he say? Oh, he does. Yeah. In the next panel. Yeah. After the ding, he says hear ye. So let it know that the, the promised one has returned. And he's covered in steel. And that's when Iceman and Sunfire are like, oh my gosh, you don't suppose they mean Colossus, right? Wait, couldn't that also be Archangel, though? Yeah, he's covered in metal, sort of. But no, it could only mean Colossus, says Sunfire. So, in. Or, or, you know, we've only been here for 10 minutes, so we don't know. There could be a whole tribe of. You know, it may not have anything to do with us. Maybe there's like a steel person on this world. Yeah, but I mean, if you're lives here, if, I don't know if you're uh, sucked through a portal on a strange planet or or realm or whatever, and somebody says there's a metal guy, that's your lead. You're like, well, we got nothing. Like, we just burnt this place down. I don't see our friends. Let's go check out the metal guy. Maybe it's Colossus. It's probably Colossus. I'll give you that. But you know, Sunfire says it can only be Colossus. It's true. No. Well, maybe maybe he's just super optimistic. Okay. I, I guess he could be super optimistic. It can only be Colossus. There are no other options. I mean, you've met that person before. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Archangel is uh, meeting the queen of the people who's, I guess, so he, he only killed, I don't know how this happened. So they were at war. Mm-hmm. Ice Angel, Arch, Archangel shows up in the middle of the war and only kills half the people? He kills the bad people. Well, he kills the other side. Good right. or bad, we don't know. Their side. How does how does how did his wings know? I'm going like, to guess that he uh, he materialized or he fell on the front line, and then he just launched his attack forward, and that just happened to be all the other side, good or bad. That's what it's got to be, I guess. Or, but, uh, or in the next issue, we're going to learn something about our, maybe Archangel and Apocalypse and the wings all have a connection to whatever this realm is. I doubt it, but maybe. That's that would be that would be more interesting. Um, so the opposite faction of the uh, the the opposing force that of that he that he killed the people of, um, they are accepting him as a warrior, and uh, Shaharazath Shaharazath, mm-hmm. the queen of the people, is saying, "Hey, thanks, thanks, dude, thanks, That's really, really cool, thanks, bruh." <laughs> <laughs> Given the reports, I know of your valor, the ferocity with which you struck down the enemies of the Triumvirate. Somebody interrupts and says, hey, uh, there's news. And she's like, you interrupted me. This news better be important or I'm going to rip out your tongue. Yeah, this is where things get a little wordy for me because all of a sudden the page is just – Yeah, the page is just covered in word balloons and text. I'm, you know, I'm skipping through it. But I think uh, uh, we get the feeling that maybe these people aren't quite so good. She threatens to the to kill the messenger mm-hmm. if the message isn't that important. Right. But apparently, it's important enough because it's the it's the same thing of the message that we just got, which is the man <laughs> is the man of steel is uh, back. Super She's like, oh no, now we're going to have to go to war. I thought they were already at war, but now they're going to have to go to super war, mm, double like, war. And she's she's like, hey, but that's okay. Because now we have the Lord Protector, so Archangel is now the Lord Protector uh, at our side. There's no force 
upon the world which can defeat us. That's not going to go well when he finds that Colossus is the guy. No, that's going to cause all sorts of tension. And then maybe Angel's going to have to come to grips with the fact that he killed all of uh, all those people that were maybe maybe the quote-unquote good guys. I hope that they brainwash Archangel a little bit, like give him some mind wiping before so that he can he can actually fight the X-Men. Otherwise, they're all just going to be like, hey, it's you. Hey, it's you. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Hey, did you kill a bunch of people? Yeah, you know, it's my wings. It wasn't me. It's just my wings. Everybody's okay with that. Can we can we trust you? Can we trust you and your wings? I know you didn't do it, but your wings did. Yeah, you know, my wings would never kill you guys. And be like, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, well, fair, fair enough. So they uh, then we flip over to Jean, and she's hanging out with... Uh, primate. Primate, that's right. And... She went from becoming the primate to just primate. They find Colossus. Primate says one of the... Uh, one of the guards, because the guards are protecting Colossus and a room full of scantily clad women. Uh, we get a huckster panel where Gene's like, what's he doing in there? And we cut to Colossus surrounded by Colossus, also uh, half naked, surrounded by several scantily clad one, two, three, four, five, six women. No short haired women. Wills Partacio doesn't like short haired women, apparently. Or Colossus doesn't like short haired women. Uh, you think Colossus chose these women? No. No. I'm sure they were the fairest maidens of this land that were... He's, he's got a big, goofy smile on his face. It's actually kind of creepy. And Gene busts in and says, okay, playtime's over. The Hugh Hefner bit was never much your style anyway. And Colossus is like, thank goodness. I, I don't know what I would have done with these, with all these girls. <laughs> I mean, they... I mean... It's okay, Peter. You're kind of cute when you blush. <laughs> but she says there's something rotten in Denmark. It's time we hunted down the rest of the X-Men. But that's when Storm and Mystery Man barge in. And they're like, who's that man? And he pulls off his head. And he's like, well, I know I'm scarred. But don't you recognize the face of your own brother? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. It's Peter's brother. And has Peter's brother... Like, we know he's got a sister. Was his brother ever mentioned, ever? I think he was mentioned. I mean, there's early on, like, the origin of, you know, Colossus turns into the steel form to protect his sister against the runaway plow. Yeah, he's, the brother definitely is not in that. I, it might have been just recently that it was mentioned because they knew they were going to do this. Mm. That they were just, let's, let's give, let's give Colossus a brother. But it could also be a thing that uh, Chris Claremont dropped in a while ago mm, could be. and just never followed up on. And somebody saw the thread and was like, Hey, Chris, Chris gave classes a brother. We should totally, we should totally run with that. Yeah. It just seems that, you know, he's, he's, he's always been so, so much a, a protector of his family talking about his mother and father back in Russia and protective of Ilyana. It just seems weird that like, Oh yeah, I got a brother too. He's fine. Yeah, but it, it's comics, so stuff like this happens all the time. I mean, how many? As I recall, the brother of Colossus was thought to be dead. Okay, and I and I don't know if I'm making that up or if that was actually a thing that happened in comics, but that's that's what I recall. I think there was a brief talk about it. Yeah, that would make sense. <clears throat> Meanwhile, <clears throat> back on Earth. 
Trish Tilby is reporting on the murders of the mutants that we saw last issue, those bad mutants that were like, I think, weren't they tearing up a bar or something? And and then uh, uh, Bishop and his guys came and like, well, we got to kill it. Or they were roughing up a girl, like they're getting ready to, to do bad things. And Bishop and the guys. She never, uh, so Trish Tilby's here. She never mentions that these that these dead mutants are bad guys. The story is apparently that just some mutants killed some mutants. Correct. That's the story. But from our perspective, we saw these bad mutants were roughing up some people. And Bishop was like, not only do we need to stop them, we need to kill them. So they killed them. And so now they're building up this sort of like mutant on mutant fighting. And now nobody's safe. It's it's contrived. It doesn't really work Um, because I feel like they would the news. Trish Tilby reporting the news would report that these these mutants, or at least some mutants, also killed a whole bunch of humans. Uh, she does say these mutants who would seem to represent the worst fears of a nation already frightened by their kind, but then she says that their distinctive facial tattoos seem to mark them as being gang members. So nothing about how they killed a bar filled, filled with people. Right. Just, and even- just that they're scary because they got tattoos. Right. And even if they don't know that these guys were the people that, that roughed up people and and, 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 and the bar, uh, a good reporter or a good news outlet would be, these folks have been identified as Bill and Joe. Bill and Joe have a long line of criminal activity going back to the bombings of blah, blah, blah. Rather than, I don't know, they look like gang members. <laughs> and now we got mutants killing mutants. I mean, she's really tattoos, so they must be gang members. She even refers to it refers to it as a mutant massacre. Uh, so yeah, and then they go to the audience or the the onlookers. Well, and like, first, the uh, first the officers like the the attackers apparently also had tattoos in the form of a large stylized letter M on the right sides of their faces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those were the killers. Yeah. So, and then they go to the onlookers. They're like, it's the X-Men. I've seen them. And now they said they were on our side, but they're killing their own kind. They had those large belt buckles like I've seen on TV with the big black X's on them. So where were these guys? Like, these guys were watching? Are these the guys at the bars? Maybe. (laughs) And then somebody from the background, it's like, "Eh, it's time we slaughtered them, which is Somebody's got to be like, okay, okay, cool down, <laughs> take, take it down a notch. TV, <laughs> pump the brakes. You're gonna, you're scaring, you're scaring the kids. If they're gonna start slaughtering their own kind, it's time we slaughtered them. Yeah, this is uh, it's contrived. Make sense. And then we cut to Bishop and his guys up on top of the roof, and they're like, oh, same old story. But uh, everybody hates mutants. This kind of irrational xenophobia goes back to the very dawn of mutant kind. But Bishop is like, well. It's not going to happen again. We're here. We know what happens in the future. So we're going to seize this opportunity, and we're going to see that it never happens again. That past will never happen again. Right. Oh, that's right. He, you're doing a, a Idris Elvis. Doing a terrible Idris Elvis Cockney accent. It's not going to happen again. We didn't plan on staying in this dim, dark corner yesterday. But now, now that we're here, we're going to... Seize the chance we've been given. But it would be kind of deeper because Idris Elbus is more like, what lies in the future? What lies in the future? No, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> that I, best never happen again. I think only Idris Elbus can do Idris Elbus. 
This is me. <laughs> well, I, you know, they should cast him as Bishop. Yeah, that would that'd be really good casting. So he, he could be anybody. Yeah. Make him Cyclops. Yeah. I don't care. X-Men movies. He's a, he's a handsome guy. He can play anybody. Yeah, isn't he more like one of those most handsome guys in the world sort of thing? Isn't he a sexiest man alive or something like that? I don't know. Probably. Uh, weren't they going to cast him as uh, poorly researched thought here? But wasn't they gonna call, weren't they going to cast him as like Captain America or the Doctor? Or they were going to cast him in a traditionally white known part. Uh, and I think the oh James Bond they were going to cast him as James Bond I think the internet like just lost their minds like come on who cares and then they were going to cast Will Smith as Captain America right. the internet lost their mind people decided that we we weren't ready for that sort of thing um, whoever the, these people who make these decisions are they're like oh the internet hates it we better not do it um, Aegis Elba was up for Doctor Who but Doctor Who could be or I don't know if even he was up but there was a there was a fan theory that he could be the potentially the next Doctor Who because he's British. Why yeah, not? Sure. What? Well, uh, great. And that's why I think he was in line for James Bond. But the Internet was like, oh, God, James Bond. Santa's white. James Bond is white. Jesus is white. Stop trying to be woke. Adam. Yeah. That wasn't me. And Don't blame me. To to his credit, he probably dodged a bullet, right? Of just being like, really, like this fictional character is going to cause all this drama? No, I'm going to go do something else. Like I don't, I don't got time for this. I'm going to go be Luther, sure, and uh, I'll be in the the Fast and the Furious movies, uh, and and the sexy boss in the office, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, is he he in the office? Yeah, he has like five or six episodes where he he takes over and cracks down, and all the ladies are like. That he's like you know fawning over him because he's so hot. He's so um, handsome. Did you ever did you ever watch Luther? No, Luther is it's not a very good show, but it's a lot of fun. Okay, it's basically like Luther is Idris Elba, and he's like the worst cop ever, and because he's just he's relentlessly terrible at his job. Like he's he's constantly doing the worst things that cops would not get away with. He's like he's not he's not a crooked cop, but he's like just. Just bad at doing things by the book. Bad at his job, not like maliciously bad. Yeah. Like he, he does everything he does. He does because he's trying to get to the bottom of something. Okay. Like stop him or solve a crime. But yeah, he's and, and he's so blatantly like he just blatantly breaks all the rules and everybody's like Luther. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and it gets so ridiculously like over the top that. It's just like this show is terrible, but you can't stop watching it because it's also fun. Hmm. Okay. I'd recommend it, but also if you do watch it, don't take it seriously because okay. you will not enjoy it. <laughs> Nobody would get away with this in real life. Uh, in- I can temper my expectations when it comes to television shows. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of unrealistic things that happen in shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, that was that issue. Um Hopefully this storyline ends next issue and they come back to Earth and do normal things, but uh, we'll see. I don't remember. I, I, based on the next couple of covers, I think the next one's – yeah. So it seems like 2 to 87 has got Bishop on the cover. So I'm going – assuming we 
dovetail back to the bishop story. So I'm looking at the cover of 286, and I don't recognize it. So I almost wonder if I just stopped collecting Uncanny and only collected X-Men at this point. Maybe. The next cover is a Jim Lee cover. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad cover. I I just don't recognize it. I, I recognize this one. So, I mean, I probably have it just through years of collecting. Or it could be another scenario of just like... It was in my bag. I bought them. I I read them in seven minutes, put it back into the bag, and never looked at it again. That's also a possibility. Who knows, Adam? I don't remember. Just went through the next couple of covers, and I recognize everything up until 292. Okay. And then 294 is where Extinction Agenda happens, so I must have had all these. Uh, Executioner's Song? Executioner's Song. I do that every time. (laughs) Get used to it, people. Uh, and then 2898, I don't really recognize the cover of that. I recognize 299, 300 is 300, obviously. Yeah. I don't recognize 301, so I feel like I must have stopped like around 298 and then just picked up 300 because it was 300. You know, I'm just putting the pieces back. I recognize 289, 290, 288 to a degree. Uh, maybe, yeah, 287, I don't recognize that one. So maybe there was just a little gap where I just didn't buy these couple of issues for some reason and then just got back into it for another few issues and then – maybe, maybe you just bought them, didn't look at the covers, flipped through them. Like, eh, I don't really – I'm not really feeling this story. I'm just going to bag it, board it, forget about it. Possibly. But... I probably don't recognize half the covers in my collection. That's yeah. Probably, maybe Maybe like a quarter – Executioner's. I feel like I read Executioner's song, but not in, uh, I think, in trade paperback form, not actually in comic book form. I read it in comic book form, and that's that's where they lost me. Okay. I, I, as a child, as a young man, I guess I wasn't a child, uh, I found that story to be convoluted. So I'm very curious to see how it goes this time. Um, I, will I find it more convoluted? <laughs> Less convoluted? We'll see. We'll see you in a couple months. I'm gonna. I'll meet you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of these later covers are familiar, but I don't know if it's like years later familiarity, or if I was buying them at the time. But it doesn't matter, Adam. This is, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is this is where my my childhood comic days are falling apart. And it's becoming yeah. a jumbly mess of, did I buy these in my 20s or 30s? Or did I actually buy them back then? I don't know. Because I'm definitely tuning out uh, as a teenage reader uh, at this point. So. Same. Well, uh, if you want to tell us something, <laughs> you can. Yeah, if you want to tell us something. Anything. Uh Reach out to us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast uh, at danger room go. You can email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com or go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts to like and subscribe and leave comments and stars and all that good stuff. If you want some additional extra content, you can go out to patreon.com slash danger room where we've got. Well, X-Men Forever, the continuation of Jim Lee's storyline, uh, at least for the for the near term, uh, as well as Adam and Jeremy's, I don't know, roughly generic hot takes on 
probably old media, specifically G.I. Joe, Transformers, yeah. probably some Turtles. We're kind of broken records, really. You could do the math. We're like we're like 45-year-old men, so you can, if you subtract maybe 35 from that and figure out what was popular at the time, that's what we're going to talk about. Pretty much. Pretty much. Very predictable. Yeah. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Adam, do you have anything else that you want to add to this one? I, there was a that was a letter, but I can't find it. So I guess we'll have to do that next time. I think it was. Wait, did I find it? Did I find it? Yes, I found it. Okay, let hit hit this, me with the letter. This is on the Facebook. Um, hello there, my good friends from the Danger Room. It's me, Slink Meal. Uh, I've been listening to you on the Spotify recently, and it's very much appreciated that you're out on there. I hope you don't mind me asking, but who do you use as your middleman <laughs> to get your stuff on there? We have no middleman. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the way I think I apologize. I'd like to get my music on there and I don't think to, I don't want to put that much time and money into it. Who better to ask? Uh, uh, yeah, not us. Uh, I think, so, so, I don't know ahead. how you put, I don't know how you put music on Spotify, but for us, you, from a podcasting perspective, I, I think, Honestly, I just submitted the RSS feed of the podcast to Spotify. I do believe a human reviews it to make sure that, you know, we're not recording on, you know, our iPhones or it's not terrible quality. Uh, And there's an established, more or less an established listener base as well as uh, semi-regularly released episodes. I think anybody can throw a podcast on Spotify because... It's not actually hosted on Spotify. It's hosted elsewhere. They just scrape it and and put it up there. The music, though, I think you have to upload it to Spotify. I don't know if there's fees aligned with it, but I mean, I think if people listen to it, there's a licensing agreement in which Spotify gets like most of the money and you get like a penny. I don't know. Something like that. Um, So at the time that we got onto Spotify, Spotify was actively looking for podcasts because I think they had just started Mm -hmm. doing Podcasts. So it was pretty easy. Uh, they made it super easy for us, uh, barely an inconvenience. Um, and I would imagine that today, if you wanted to get your podcast on, all you would have to do was type Spotify podcasts into Google. Um, but if 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 you're looking to do music, I mean, I would do the same thing. Like yeah. Go to Google and type in how to get my music on Spotify. I have a uh, a friend. Maybe not a friend, a uh, 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 an acquaintance who is a industrial musician, and uh, I believe he's got some stuff on Spotify, but he pushes the majority of his stuff on Bandcamp. I think the uh, revenue splitting is maybe more equitable or fairly distributed on Bandcamp, but Spotify has probably a far bigger audience reach. So I don't know. That's the feedback I've heard from his experiences. Uh, in trying to self-publish music. What's the other one? There's Bandcamp and then there's uh, Cloud something. Oh, like Cloudflare? Sound- Sound- I think it's SoundCloud. Could be, yeah. Another one where you can self-host it yep. and kind of communicate with your audience there. Uh, he continues, as always, I love you guys. I look forward to new episodes and I've been listening to you guys for 10 years now. Good Lord. I friggin' sleeped the uh, Factor 3 storyline like a madman. <laughs> So far, some of the worst X-Men books. Remember, 
the mutant master just kills himself at the climax of the year-long story. Your laughter through the pain of those books are what makes it gold. Hope your holidays were good to you. And here's to 2024 being sexier than a motherfucker. Wow. What was uh, factor three? What was that? Okay. <laughs> we had, uh, well, there's four of them. It's like you, it's like basically the, the not Magneto brotherhood of evil mutants. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a bad guy group. Uh, weren't they in a mountain or something? I don't know. I haven't revisited that in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the feedback. I do remember like, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this podcast because it was getting pretty dark from a storytelling and art telling. In, so that's X-Men 28 and 39 or through 39 is when that storyline was kind of happening. Uh, I know that you and I made the best of it and I know that we we found ways to have fun. But boy, reading those, I remember I was like, I like tears were streaming down my eyes. I recall just reading so because it was just so boring. But uh, I imagine we're going to get to some stories like that in the 90s as well, but hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, same to you, friend. Hope your holidays were good. Uh, Christmas, New Year's, whatever you celebrate. Absolutely. Well, Adam, uh, you have anything else? No, no, no. Just uh, just got the letters out there. So you, you always appreciate them. It's always good to hear from you folks. It's always good to get some positive feedback, not negative feedback. We don't want to hear any of that. Never. If you have negative feedback, you just keep that to yourself. Yeah, we don't We don't need to know. We're not going to change anything, so what's the point? Exactly. Exactly. Well, good. Until next time, Adam. I'm doing this all wrong. Until next time, my name's Jeremy. <laughs> and as you as you just declared, my name's Adam. Yeah, I, I like to make sure that everybody knows who everybody is. Okay. Uh, the danger room's closed. Okay.